So before I give some background to the scripture and read the scripture, I want to make a special thank you. Um, our normal tech guy up in the, bol- in the balcony, Ricky Harvick, is, is, not, is sick, he's not feeling well, and he came down with us at the last minute. So we were, the clergy were texting last night, late last night, like 10 o'clock, and we're grateful that Connor Onion is here. But when your mom's one of the pastors, I guess you gotta come to help out. <laughs> so Connor, wave from up in the balcony. Thank you, Connor. <clears throat> I'm sure it would have been fine if you said no. <laughs> so I can't tell you the number of times that I've been asked What does the Bible say about other religions, about other faith traditions? Maybe you've wondered about this as well. And you should know that at least two of our high schoolers asked that question when I had my annual fireside chat with them back in January. It's where they write down questions on paper as I arrive and I just sort of respond to them in no particular order as I read them. But two of them said, what does our church, what does the Bible say about our relationship with other religions. Well, today's lectionary reading, which I'll offer in just a moment, I think is a foundation for a response. It's from the Gospel of John where Jesus addresses the disciples. And in a narrative outline, it sort of feels out of place because this passage from the Gospel of John, which is the reading for today, actually in the story happens before Jesus and the disciples go into Jerusalem for Holy Week. But you also may be surprised that I chose this passage. I didn't choose it, the lectionary did, but I'm using this passage to reflect on the question, what is our relationship to other religions and how can we affirm respecting other faith traditions? You may be surprised when you hear the conclusion of this scripture, but bear with me. From Jesus, what they sometimes call his farewell discourse from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In God's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Now Thomas, one of the disciples, said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. This ends the reading from the Gospel of John. And may these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Well, to be honest, outside of the passage I just read for you and a few other scattered verses, the Bible doesn't say much about other faith traditions. But frankly, the Bible wasn't written with the religious pluralism of the 21st century in mind. It wasn't written in an era where there are 
and I mean this literally, there are more Presbyterians in Korea than in the United States. And that Christians in the US make up around seven to eight percent of the world population of Christians. And the scriptures, quite honestly, are fairly mute when it comes to other faith traditions. Yes, we have the Apostle Paul who writes what sounds a little like a hymn of diversity when he says, there is no longer Jew nor pagan, male or female, slave nor free, but we are all one in Christ and God. It does, it sounds like a hymn to the divinity of diversity. But it does seem to contrast with the conclusion to this morning's reading, which you just heard, reading from the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then, no one comes to God except through me. Well, sadly, those two verses, the one from the Apostle Paul and the one from the Gospel of John, oftentimes end up summarizing the debate about our relationship to other faith traditions. And I say this because usually the debate gets distilled down to two very opposite positions, each one responding with blanket statements. One, quoting the Apostle Paul and concluding that complete tolerance, only complete tolerance and equal status of all faith is God's will. Neither Jew nor pagan, Paul seems to affirm the diversity of divinity, right? And then the other side will end up quoting that verse from the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, no one comes to God except through me. And they'll say, it's proof that all the other traditions should be dismissed. But quite honestly, friends, both responses, blanket tolerance and broad dismissiveness, are completely inadequate. Because by and large, by and large, outside of those couple of passages just lifted up, the Bible neither asks nor answers the question of religious tolerance. So in this morning's reading, for the fourth Sunday of Easter, let's go a little deeper. It begins quite beautifully, right? Jesus is comforting his fearful disciples. And they're fearful because they know that Jesus has decided to go to Jerusalem and they know there's trouble there. And there was, of course. And Jesus says these beautiful words that are timeless for every century. century. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. But he's really telling them to trust. Now, most translations use the English word believe, believe in me, believe in God. But most scholars tell us that the original Greek word has more the connotation of trust, fidelity. Thus, Jesus is encouraging the scared disciples to trust in God and trust in him. But there's another interesting piece to it, which is what he says to them next. He also implicitly tells them to trust in themselves. You know the way, he says. Trust that. You know it. And I'm the way. In a sense, he says, you know God because you know me. And Jesus and God's distinctive way 
is love. I mean, we affirm that Jesus is God's love, God's justice, God's mercy, God's grace made flesh. But that word distinctive is important because it might be a clue to our relationship with other faith traditions. Because I want you to consider a distinction between the words unusual and unique. The word may be, uh, it's, for instance, I affirm that other faith traditions, that other faith teachers, Moses, Muhammad, Buddha, they had unusual relationships with God. And unusual is defined as remarkable. But for me, Jesus does not simply have an unusual relationship with God, but rather a unique one. And persons of other faith traditions might feel the same about their teacher. But for me, Jesus has a unique relationship, one of a kind. And what makes Jesus unique is his focus on love, justice, and mercy, God's grace. And it has been suggested that one of the things that makes the Christian faith unique is that it's the only tradition that says God's love, justice, and mercy, God's grace, cannot be earned by you or me. We can't, we can't earn it. It comes to us free of charge. And so, although I believe we can affirm the uniqueness of Jesus and his embodiment of God's grace, we can do that and we still don't have to claim that our relationship with God is exclusive. But you might be saying, well, what about the last verse, Rich, that you read from the Gospel of John? What about Jesus' claim, no one comes to God except through me? Good question. So let's consider that. Let's consider that statement through the lens of Jesus' teachings, his life, and even his parables about what and who God is. And God is consistently described by Jesus as perfect love and perfect justice. Now, not simply the love that we know, but something beyond it and greater. Not simply the justice that we have experienced or understand it, but it's a confluence of a deeper love, a profounder mercy, and a justice that is beyond our understanding. And it's all wrapped up in grace. And it's radical and perfect. Well, if we believe that, that God is perfect love, doesn't it seem faithful then, truly faithful, to affirm that when Jesus says, no one comes to God except through me, he is also saying that no one comes to know God except through love, except through mercy, except through justice. And that love, perfect love, is the way, it is the truth, and it is our life. And wherever you find love, you find God. Yes, in Jesus, for us, but love is found in other faith traditions as well.
One pastor put it so succinctly but beautifully. She said, Jesus remains the way for me, but it is the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus that teaches me to live in peace with other faith traditions. For me, I don't know how to find God without Jesus, but it is because of Jesus that I respect those who call God by another name. And I have a hunch that if we respect others who call God by another name, that respect will never, never be in spite of our faith in Jesus, but rather because of it. May it be so.